And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hello, Startup Hustle. It's Andrew again, your host for today's episode, founder of Marknology, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, and everything that goes around those things. Today's I've got a special guest from one of top from Miami's top startups, Guillermo Garcia. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Yeah, I'm super excited. I, you know, just in our getting to know each other kind of few minutes at the beginning of the episode, I, I couldn't stop talking because I'm just excited to hear um, about your startup, about your journey and like, honestly, what, um, you know, what you're doing with Smart Hop. I want to learn so much more uh, as someone working in a, with a small warehouse and a 3PL and working in e-commerce all the time. It's something that's extremely, extremely relevant to the Amazon and e-commerce space. So um, we're going to have some fun. Before we dig in, shout out to today's sponsor for our episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Guillermo, let's hear about the beginnings of your entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, before Smart Hop, is it something, have you always been an entrepreneur since you were a kid? Like, when did you first know, uh, you know, that business building was your thing? Well, the funny thing is that I, um, I'm originally from Venezuela and I, uh, I'm part of a very conservative family. I mean, my, my dad, uh, uh, has worked in an institution uh, since he graduated college. So very traditional uh, since uh, very early. Uh, uh, he has always believed in that we have to study, go to a big institution, learn from that big institution and make a career there. He didn't have too much success with me. Uh, uh, from uh, very early, I started working in uh, summer camps as a counselor and uh, started doing some uh, small stuff, pretty much gaining some independence. I've always like been curious about uh, doing my own thing. And with a couple of friends um, in Venezuela, we did many things. I mean, I sold water uh, on the street. So uh, when things got heated in Venezuela, uh, I, I was part with a friend on a honey uh, business that, would, that, that that we worked together. So many things, small things uh, throughout college uh, that really I mean, no, nobody uh, encouraged me, but it was something around and it, I had it. And that's how it all got started. Okay. Is, is, Smart, Hop, is Smart Hop your first startup or, or were there a few before? So actually, um, meantime, I was in uh, college. I started as one of those many things that I, that I did with, uh, with a friend. Uh, we started as pet food delivery guys. I used okay. my, my father's garage. Uh, we we uh, got um, that supply on our garage. And between classes, uh, we would deliver them in my home uh, city, uh, Caracas, in Venezuela. Uh, and that's how things got started. One thing led to another. 
one of our suppliers said, you know what? I mean, the truck with, that I use to send you uh, all the food that you're buying from me, it's not actually mine. I mean, I'm, I'm hiring someone uh, to send you that. I mean, we love you guys. We, we love how you grind and you come here and you fill uh, things up. Why don't you buy a truck and, uh, and come um, and, and, I, and I'll hire you. At that time, uh, I was actually working in supply chain in Nestle, pretty okay. much forced by my family. They were like, okay. no, you need to go into institution. You need to work in a big institution. So I started working at Nestle. And actually, I landed in, in supply chain. And so um, there was a moment where I said, you know what? It's been two or three years in, in Nestle. I'm, uh, I'm doing good, but uh, why, don't, why don't I buy a small truck? Uh, we bought a sprinter van, small sprinter mm-hmm. van, and uh, hire our first uh, employee. And that was what really got my previous company started. I built a trucking company uh, from being a pet food delivery, bootstrapped that company, ended up resigning to Nestle and focusing full time on on my business because I couldn't handle both at the same time. And we grew that company in Venezuela to about 500 employee trucking company. Wow. So they from trucking, cross docking, warehousing, for, uh, ended up. Uh, being one of the suppliers of Nestle and big companies like like those, so that was my first real company uh, that I was able to scale. No big deal. <laughs> no, he just he just skipped over that one. A um, couple of things. One, one of my great friends in the Amazon space and a fellow Miami native has been on the show. Runs her own podcast in Spanish. Um, is from Venezuela and uh, her you know hometown of Caracas. Uh, Vanessa Hung, she's there. I have to. I'll have to make an introduction to you guys. Um, she's leading the way in regards to thought leadership around, um, you know, e-commerce into Latin America uh, and and the future with that, with everything going on logistically, um, you know, in China and the boats and all that kind of stuff. It really leads the way to extreme growth between talent, like like we were talking about in Colombia before the show started, um, all the way down to like you know Amazon Brazil. Uh, taking off and, and a lot of sellers seeing success there. So definitely a, a fellow connection there. Um, she tells me all about, you know, um, Venezuela and, you know, I, growing up in Africa, I also understand, I always have thought of myself as, um, you know, kind of an immigrant, even though I'm a white American, um, you know, I moved here when I was 16. And in my mindset, I, I've got that African hustle, that African entrepreneurial, you know, you're just always doing something. Um, the work ethic is just different. Mm. Uh, and I think that, you know, you're also your creativity is different, because the world isn't as structured. Uh, you know, everything is not just like this in society. And so it kind of just leaves your mind to be more open, I think, than what you're just like giving right in front of you. And, um, so that was super cool. You talked about college, but one thing I'd like to point out here, and maybe you can clarify it for me for anyone listening. I think college in Venezuela starts quite a bit younger. Yeah. Like, it, uh, it, it's something that's just... it, it depends, but yeah, I mean, uh, there are people that go to college and, uh, uh, at 15, 16 years old. Uh, yeah, like you guys call it university, I think. And um, it's like, a you know, something about Venezuelan culture, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, it's a must. It's a must to be, you know, to go to school, 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 school versus here, it kind of seems like it's a, a suggestion. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Venezuela and some of the Latin American uh, countries uh, are are pretty old school in that regards. Uh, specifically in Caracas, in Venezuela, you're born, and the whole idea is that you study, you go to college uh, in the same city, you graduate, you work in the same city, and you live close to your parents, and you, and you can uh, use the same network. Yeah, exactly. Other, I mean, it's way different from from the states when at eighteen, seventeen, you're ready to go, ready to go cross country, and probably you will see your parents in Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. But uh, the Latin American culture uh, makes uh, your life to be way more close to your family, and your family, Tribal. in many cases, have many sayings on. Uh, shaping what uh, what you uh, what you're going to do. My father didn't. Uh, I mean, uh, wasn't successful uh, with me too much. Uh, but now he's he's excited about what we're his doing. mind. Right, uh, same thing. Uh, actually, like I, I I just really relate to that. Uh, you know, people can look at us here in the Midwest, and I'm building a company with my family. Uh, and I think a lot of people respect that. And, you know, we've gotten very little, like, I guess, flack from any of that working together with family, but they don't understand that we grew up in a, in a, honestly, a, a pretty aggressive, dangerous environment in Africa, um, you know, where there was war and things like that. And we we're very close and we look out for each other. And um, there's a trust level that comes with family, I think, from other countries. It's just a little different than here, um, you know, and, and so it's been an advantage to us. And, uh, you know, as I started building this company, uh, my family from all over the U.S. kind of came back together to to build our company together. And it's been something that's super special for me. Um, but it very much was so, like, come back to the U.S., okay, this is where we split up. This is the American way kind of thing. You guys go here, I'll go here. Um, and it's really been maybe the last four years that we've kind of come back together as a family unit. And it just feels right to me. Uh, feels really right to me. And it's, that's just the way you stick together. Um, it's a different mindset. And, you know, I think it's something that I will say this, like I come from a, a missionary family and from a, a, you know, generation of preachers. And so at the beginning, you know, I'm black sheep. What are you doing? Oh my God. Like, you know, I'm failing or like, you know, this is not what I saw for you or yada, yada. Um, things have changed now. Is that, is that the case with you as well? I mean, getting a, getting a company to 500 people is not, is not an easy thing. Just simply communicating with 500 people yeah. at a high level is, is craziness as I'm trying to grow my business. And that's our major issue is how do we communicate between a large team? Uh, did it change then early uh, after a success, like, you know, business one, he said, okay, he's not making crazy things. Like I, did well, that you change know, drastically? You, you know that my family always has that. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, be careful, right? I mean, I, and I think one of the inflection points, um, uh, this was uh, around two, uh, about 2012. I did a program at Columbia University in New York. And I think okay. that's where really, that this whole mindset of yes, you can bootstrap, and three generations after you're going to have an incredible company. I was like, no, I, I mean, in my generation, I wanna, uh, I wanna do something big. I wanna impact millions of people out there. I wanna help others. Um, but that gets you to uh, needing to be open to uh, either partner with uh, people, receive funding, doing it, uh, doing it different. If you really wanna. Do that path, and to to uh, to date, um, after jumping from having that company in Venezuela, which after Colombia, I I started uh, again a very traditional asset based trucking company in in South Florida, 
when I leaped into Smart Hub, uh, and, 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 and I'll share more about Smart Hub, but when I leap into the technology uh, world, hyper growth, you know that you will need to receive funding if you want to move fast enough. Till, yep. till this day, my father is always asking me, uh, should I take more money or not? I mean, he's, he's always like eager to say, well, I mean, uh, you're receiving money for a lot of money from other people. Do you understand what that really means? And, and, and for me, it's, it's really about, I think, the contrast of one Venezuela where there's so many issues uh, that mm. gets Venezuelans to really struggle on one side, but also to find solutions on the other. You're always on your toes. You're always trying to find a way where there's a lot of things given here in the U.S. that you don't think about, that it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's normal. And, and for a Venezuelan, even coming into, uh, into uh, the U.S., you always have that mindset of making things happen, that capital in Venezuela is not... Um, it's not open as it is here. It's not as relevant as it's here. So we always take with with a grain of salt and responsibility what what I do. I'm, I'm always uh, really mindful that I want to build a sustainable business. I want to be able to really grow fast, uh, but be able to uh, to build a company that can last uh, for generations and. Um, that's why that's where we are headed, uh, and uh, that's why I'm excited uh, uh, on what's happening right now. No, I can't wait to get into it. But you said some stuff there that I would be amiss if I didn't dig into. Um, I, I loved it. Number one, I think that a lot of people need to understand that investment or raising money. Uh, you know, and you can see the Silicon Valley stuff where like raising money, and they got the cars, and they're doing all of that kind of stuff. They're doing tech companies. That's just what hits, you know, that's just what's flashy. But there's still a lot of investment going on behind the scenes that you don't see. That's not the flashy cars and all that kind of stuff. And what that that investment is really about speed. You know, how long do you want to take to build this? Is your is your idea only great because it's early? And if someone came along next year, would your idea still be great? You know, those are the things you need to kind of think about. Um you know, I didn't have the network that I have now when I started Marknology. So, you know, it wasn't that wasn't a possibility. And it was something that I started while in debt. So it was like a way to get my finances better. And it was a side hustle kind of thing that just grew. Um, but as people are thinking about that, and it's something I think about all the time, I'm buying businesses now and investing in others and, uh, you know, people trying to invest in us and you're thinking about those things. I think what you have to think about is, is not just control, but also speed um you know and what matters to you uh and then when you do choose that investment you got to choose smart investment and i think you know that's that goes unsaid but to to what you said as well about venezuela like you know i talk about this on the show all the time i talk about my upbringing in africa because it's something that super uh impacted me as an entrepreneur you know there's times where i've, I've said it before but like our, our jeep broke down in the middle of the jungle in cameroon on our way uh to another village and in the middle of the dark a family of four at the time you know what what's dad gonna do he's not a mechanic he's not all these things but you can't have a sleep outside in the jungle get eaten by ants you know not even a tiger or something ants so you know like uh it, i i remember he cut up a spare tire into strips and use it as the belt for the car and we limped along to the next village and that's something that i'll never forget in regards to just being outside the box, thinking creatively in, in environments like that where you can't take anything for granted, you know, like you have to plan where you're going to go to the restroom, 
uh, before you leave the house, you know, in some of those environments. And I'm not talking about like in Caracas, probably, but like if you're outside the city, if you're doing those kinds of things, at least in Africa, it was definitely that way. You know, something I'd like to say about Brazil, we're talking about logistics, we're talking about Latin America, we're talking about just what's going on in the space. Um, you know, I heard like uh, in Brazil, there's one shipping partner to go through, um, you know, if you're going to start selling an Am on Amazon and um, the the delivery time, the customers, I think, is an estimated 10 to 14 days on Amazon. Wow. OK, and so for Amazon customers that are used to the U.S., they were the ones that brought e-commerce to a two day shipping. Right. Um, and so sellers that are selling there are like, what's going on with my shipping? And they don't understand how a third world country really works. And there's things like, you know, floods and the road might just have a huge little pond in it and the trucks can't go through that until the water comes down or, you know, simple things that just won't even cross your mind as an American. Um, you know, in a lot of those countries you have to deal with. And so it just causes you to just think differently about so many things. And I think it can set up um, someone to have kind of that entrepreneurial mindset, because a lot of times you can't just quit, you know, you get stuck, you've, you're all in on something. Uh, you have to be able to be like, okay, where can we go next? Do we go to tech? Do we go, do we hire more drivers? Do I scale to a thousand employees? Like, you know, what is my move? Um, and coming out of an environment like that, I think it just really sets us up to be a bit more creative on that problem solving side. That, that is a secret talent really, you know, if you get to put it to use, um, Okay, but let's talk smart hop. Sorry, I, I just I love talking with people that understand some of my upbringing. Uh, and can you know, you haven't been in Africa, but there's something just similar about countries that are. Um, and is Venezuela second world? Do you know? I don't even know if they refer to, to that anymore. I mean, right, uh, right now, they could be third or fourth. I mean, what's, uh, what's happening in Venezuela? I mean, now electricity, uh, power, uh, food, uh, medicines. I mean, it, it, the country has gone into a, a, a bad spiral in the last uh, 10 to 15 years. Uh, so it, it's sad to see a country like that, but also there's uh, there's great people and, and to what you were saying, right? I mean, there's there's many things that yes, in Latin America, all those things make countries less efficient. But whoever has that spirit to really, uh, I mean, uh, jump the hoops, uh, are really gaining a way of uh, really being creative and really making sure that things happen, regardless of the challenge that you have in front of you. So, uh, so yeah, Venezuela right now, it's, uh, it's, it's sad to see how, how it is, but also it gives uh, encouragement to people that are flying outside to say, you know what, I'm willing to work. Uh, we were talking about Colombia. We were talking about people that are outside of Venezuela. What I have really come to um, uh, really love is to understand that out the U.S. have incredible talent. But outside of the U.S., there's also incredible talent that you can hire and that are really uh, ready to go, willing to work. And uh, we're, we want to build a world-class organization and we have people pretty much across the globe. So uh, coming to the U.S., uh, it's been an incredible experience. And to start my business here first, a traditional asset-based trucking company that was one of the lucky ones to bootstrap to about 50 trucks on my balance sheet here in the U.S., but now building a tech company in the logistics space, uh, really having a very open mind of regardless of where you are, we want you to work with us because we want a world-class organization. Today, we're focused on servicing the continental U.S. 
uh, with people that are pretty much across the globe. I love that. And thanks for sharing. I think like um, just the opportunity to talk about what's happening in other countries and, you know, how it affects us and the opportunities is worth sharing. So thank you very much. Let's talk Smart Hop. Okay, so before we get in, once again, shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. It's a perfect segment now to the tech that is smart hop um you know what's the elevator pitch you understand what we do around e-commerce you know we help brands we advise them around logistics getting shipments into amazon you know fulfilling website orders like that's my world um you know you know, we're, we're calling a freight quote for the most part, or we're calling, you know, one of those providers to say, Hey, can you give us some rates for this type of shipment? If it's not going through Amazon, um, what's smart hop bringing to the market and you know, why did you create it? Yeah. The, the important piece there to understand. And, and I think the pandemic, uh, in, in one way have helped people understand what supply chain is and how important logistics is after you click um uh that's when the entire operation starts right and there's multiple people resources uh that needs to be moved uh, for that small package to get to your door uh and that comes with um, a lot of people behind the scenes i was one of the small truckers here in the u.s uh, really trying to be part of, of that network, right? But mm. uh, think about the U.S. The U.S., um, over 90% of the trucking companies here in the U.S. are pretty much mom-and-pop family-owned type of businesses, less than six trucks. So uh, when you think about trying to engage, if you're a shipper, if you're an Amazon uh, seller, Trying to reach a company that has two trucks, one it's a one-man, one-women show, it's barely impossible. And yeah. for the trucker trying to make a living, think about what entitles to really understand where the opportunity is. You never have uh, the chance to talk to the Coca-Colas, the AD InBevs of the world directly because you're simply too small for such a massive industry. So you end up... Uh, having a very manual and relationship-driven relationship with middlemen, with freight brokers. I was just about to speak to that. I have some experience in that. My dad was driving for a couple of years um, after his missions work. It was something that he found himself in and was able to make you know a good amount of money driving. A very hard, hard life, I think, uh, for someone that's a little bit older, but um, can be very lucrative. And you know, he was talking about just logistical struggles and what's going on and getting you know the mom and pops being able to get good rates and good trips and like stay busy and things like that and you know it was constantly just um you know trying to find those right brokers uh and having to have a broker that really like really believes in you and is fighting for you to get you the best routes is really how your quality of life as a driver goes as well um you're either chasing the money or you're chasing the good trips and the good drives you know and it was just this kind of like it's almost like he spent all his time just trying to get the jobs right or like getting the right ones um so i i from the inside i know a little bit of how, about how that works and that struggle that you're solving for but you have and and there in in what you just said you have uh two issues to solve one uh the the broker makes money um uh, while they increment uh their um their margins and so when you think about the trucker and the broker the more the margins for the broker, the better. 
But then the trucker that uses a broker as a customer, they want to maximize also their profit. So you're you're in this very weird and funny situation mm-hmm. where incentives are not really aligned. That's one. And then the other, the, the freight brokerage industry is so fragmented, over 15,000 freight brokers and nobody really dominates that you cannot work only with one broker. You have to navigate. Yep. If you're in Atlanta and you get contracted uh, to move a load from Atlanta to El Paso, maybe in El Paso, it's another broker that has a relationship. And so you need to navigate. And that's one of the things that I wanted to change uh, by uh, really understanding that your top line is very important, that relationships with brokers and the decision-making process is very important, but also thinking about your bottom line. You're, you're also so small that you don't have any buying power and leverage to do anything but to pay retail rates across your bottom line. I think about fuel, insurance, lease, all those uh, services that you need to run your business. And that's why that's when we created Smart Hub uh, for uh, my own business, but also for the millions of hardworking men and women that are there that really they're not asking to be billionaires. They're just asking that after two, three weeks out, really grinding, being on the road, moving loads through the continental U.S., they go back to their homes and they have the ability to pay their bills. So I invited my technical co-founder, who I say it's a the smart guy in the room, uh, he sold his development shop and we got to work in building this business in a box platform that really what we want is to empower those very small trucking companies and owner operators to have all the tools and the resources for them to be successful. And what that means is top line, we created this autonomous dispatcher. It's a, it's a booking technology that automates the decision-making process of booking a load. So we connect through APIs with uh, freight brokers. Those are our partners. And we help as a technology rail for our customers, the trucker, to decide if I'm in Atlanta, what should I do? Northwest, east, south. Uh, Which is the broker? Which is the load? At what price? Secondly, we run their entire back office. So think about a trucking company that has one truck. I'm driving the truck. I own my company. Uh, Once I book that load, uh, to move for an Amazon seller from point A to point B, then it's invoicing, it's reporting, it's appointments, it's check call. I need to get to the warehouse. I need to uh, keep communication with the broker. There's so many things that happen that we automate that back office for them. Uh, and, and then we understand so much now from our customers that now we're uh, also in a unique position to be able to bring to them in a fundamentally different way, those financial services that they need uh, to run their business with better capabilities than the leading carriers. And nothing better to uplift the game of a company that has four trucks to put them at the level that they can compete with a public traded company that has seven, eight, ten thousand trucks just because they have their bottom line where they need to have their bottom line, but also they have the right technology to speak with brokers and their customers in a way as if they were a public traded company. I love that. And I think that's an amazing thing that you've done. Uh, You know, I'm excited to see like, how how can I plug that in? You know, Um, let's talk through that. And maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a good fit, but I, I personally know several smaller trucking companies here in Kansas city that are owned, you know, owned by people that own three or four trucks. 
Um, you know, I told you that my dad used to drive um, and we bought his Sprinter van, uh, you know, off of him. We now park it in the warehouse and we use it as we need it. But we're essentially a 3PL that preps product for Amazon. You know, I run my own seven or eight brands out of there. We probably have 10 brands that we work with from our agency that use us for fulfillment and prep. Um, but typically, you know, we run, if we're running to Amazon, which is 95% of what we do, we're not shipping to the, you know, the brick and mortars for the most part. Um, it goes to Illinois. So it's a direct route every single time, right? It's, it's KC to Illinois. That's where the kind of the fulfillment center is that, that most of the shipments go. You know, is it something that, you know, we can pop on the smart hop and see what like trucks like contact the small mom and pops to get rates on runs like that is that kind of how it works am i understanding that correctly yeah well the, the first thing is i mean this industry is so big that we decided that we wanted to segment uh at the beginning and be focused on one specific uh side and operation type so today we're servicing uh, what it's called the long haul, which is interstate. Uh, those trucks are going from one state to another uh, okay. and the 53 foot trigger. So those big rigs that you see uh, on, on the road, not the sprinter van where our okay. technology is going to get there and our product is going to get there. But today we are servicing that segment. With that said, if, if we do the analogies with what you just described, uh, the important piece for a trucking company is to understand how do you want to run your business, right? And for us, it's really important that we don't force you into doing anything that you don't want to do. We are your backbone. We are suggesting, we are bringing the technologies and the economies of scale. But at the end of the day, you decide what you want to do with your business. And if you understand how the trucking market goes, there are some companies, as you said, that maybe you have a contract with Amazon to go from Kansas to Oklahoma, on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you have the same route. And that's steady. That pays what it pays. And it doesn't fluctuate uh, throughout the year uh, too much. But what we do need to understand is that there is that contracted dedicated market, but also there is a spot market where, where seasonality, excess capacity moves Think about, I don't know, AB InBev, uh, summertime, a lot of beer gets sold. So they have contract with big companies or they have their steady. But when the season comes, then they push that to independent, more small uh, trucking companies uh, that really are able to fulfill or help with that excess capacity. And the important Amazon does the same thing, right? Exactly. I don't know if you like, right. They just hire the temp drivers like during holidays and prime day and things like that, where like an Uber, you can sign up and, you know, make a load and make 80 bucks, exactly. you know, filling out your SUV or your truck or something. Exactly. And the important piece here is really how to navigate through those dedicated and contract and in spot right now. Uh, I mean, we're talking, uh, 2021, uh, we're in the peak season, spot rates are crazy high. But when I mean crazy high, crazy high. And so can you navigate without putting in jeopardy your contract with Amazon and fill those gaps with the spot market? And so where we come into play is with those companies that do not have a contract that mainly live in the spot market, really navigating the spot market in a good way. Those that have some sort of relationships, how can we navigate through those dedicated lanes, but also spot market for 
you to maximize and for you to be able to really optimize uh, your business. And but but at the same time, it's not only about your top line. Top line is really important, and I think where uh, our customers are are um, uh, where they come from is because you're so small and because the industry hasn't changed in, in, in a long time, you think that you can't do anything on your bottom. You're simply too small. I mean, insurance, I need to get on my knees when a year goes by and renewal comes just to make sure that insurance renew, uh, fuel, uh, I mean, off the shelf, whatever I can, uh, I can get. But it's a combination of can I be in a, a platform and part of a pool that can consider me to be able because of how I behave, because of how well I drive, because of my data, because you're connected and you understand me better, can I have access to what the big, big players are having? And, and that's what's really driving um, uh, the results for our customers uh, throughout this year. Top line, this year, our customers have been able to overperform the market in about 11% on their top line. Uh, and, and that's huge when you think about trucking being so tight of a margin business that if you do everything right, you're hovering 6% at the end of the day. And think about that. I mean, any wrong decision that you make, you're, you're always in the verge of being uh, in the business or not out. profitable. Right. Yep. I, I completely understand that. Um, and it's something that I can really relate to. Um, you know, you're talking about getting the truck drivers to that level of where they can compete with the big dogs, you know, whether it's in real estate or Amazon, you know, I've had firsthand um, experience understanding that Amazon's a giant and they don't bend and it's like play the game their way or you're not playing the game. And I tell brands and manufacturers that all the time, like ah, they'll bitch or complain or yada, yada. And I'm like, listen, that this is just how it is. If you want, you know, if you want to play here, if you want these results, like, um, you have to speak in their language on the real estate side. Uh, you know, we do property management here in Kansas city, Airbnbs and things like that. And I've got a partner in that business and I'm talking to him all the time. And he's got these big time buyers, like some of the biggest buyers in, in the United States, as far as like real estate buyers. Uh, and it's, it went from like, you know, where you're dealing with a, a seller or an investor and you're, you're doing all this kind of like wiggling and negotiating and all this kind of stuff. Well, if you want to play with this big buyer, there's no wiggling. You have to do the paperwork the right way. You got to do the calls the right way. And these big companies, and this is something I'm understanding as I get bigger, is I don't have the time to make these like one-off deals with these brands or these like, you know, let's negotiate here and change this and a la carte this and do this. And oh, and you want to fill out your paperwork like this. And no, it's, you know, if you're really trying to grow and you have a limited amount of bandwidth that you can handle, uh, you got to be selective. And when you start getting selective, you're like, no, I, I would like to work with a team that can speak my language. I'd like to you know, talk to the team that understands what we're doing. I'm not having to educate them on everything. I'm not having to get this mom and pop up to where they can send, uh, you know, POs and, uh, you know, those kinds of things in the right way. Like this is all just automated. We don't even have to do it anymore because they're submitting it to our portal. And, you know, before I was like, I like helping the small guy and I do. But I also understand now uh, as a businessman, when I didn't understand that before, is at a high level to be effective, to be efficient, to be optimized, you just can't make all these one-off things for everybody, right? It's got to be like follower, 
we've got a system here. If you follow it, you can play. If not, like we have to move on. And I think what you're doing for um, small business is incredible by giving them kind of that that step stool, I guess, to play with the big guys and, and run and run run trucks. And at the same time, that back office uh, kind of thing that we're talking about, not just the booking, but on the back office side, I know that um, I personally am like a creative, you know, I, I grew up in Africa, kind of just free spirited, creative imagination. Like I started actually was trying to be a musician, travel the US playing music to be free and independent. Um, and so organization as it is not my strong suit and communication wasn't my strong suit. It's something I very much so had to work on um, to continue to be successful as an entrepreneur with what I wanted to do. And not everyone can do that with two people or three people or whatever size their team is. It, it takes years to learn, I think, to, to master. And what you're giving them is that, right? You're giving them um, the things that might hold them back in growing their business or the things that they hate doing or the areas they can make mistakes and lose that 6% margin you're talking about can easily happen with not invoicing in time or your truck driver sitting there and losing a day because he's waiting to get into some appointment or something like that. Um, and just helping them be more streamlined, I think is, is, is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm just waiting until you bring it down to the smaller vehicles. Like, you know, so I'm excited already. Yeah, and imagine what this, uh, what this means for my customers, customers, for the brokers or their shippers, right? Why can a broker, I mean, imagine a broker where, uh, a company like Nestle gives them 50 loads and they hire 50 different owner operators. Uh, they can't handle to have 50 different experiences because Nestle mm. is going to come back and say, hey, what what's going on? I mean, I, I need standardization and really having that ability to give that standardization and digitalization in how they communicate with their customers, their brokers, helps them really have a better engagement and relationship with their customers, uh, the brokers. But at the same time, because we're all so obsessed about our customers and, and, and about our, our truckers, we truly need to understand that they haven't been recognized. And, and trucking is a very hard uh, job, right? I mean, hard life, yeah. Uh, if everything goes well, nobody recognizes you. I mean, if everything is on time, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, that's what it needs to happen. But wait until you were, you missed an appointment for, just 10 minutes after that appointment, then the world comes roaring uh, on top of you and being able to uh, to have their back, to really understand that why things happen, but also helping them up-level their quality because some, I'm not saying that this uh, uh, never is a, an issue for um, um, that uh, entitles or that it's part of the trucker, but uh, in many cases, uh, they just need, that support they just need that that help and and they don't have it today they 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 they're they're simply too small and when they call a broker when they uh, relate to someone or they have a relationship with someone they really don't have another way and so that's what we 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 want to bring to them and 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 to everybody that works with us and in our all hands we do an all hands uh, every week people have multiple time asks Ask uh, well where we are headed. Uh, I mean, we're growing fast, and how fast should we be growing, and what should we do? And what I always tell them is, the important piece for us is not what's going to be the outcome of Smart Hub as a tech company. If we're doing the things for the right reason, 
and if our customers are really uh, valuing our value proposition, are really connected to us, the outcome, um, I mean, it's indifferent. That will be a consequence of doing the things for the right reason. But we need to be today really obsessed about really learning and being close to our customers and making sure that they have what we uh, that w- what we're proposing and what we sell them to really make sure that they are successful and that they love us uh, for us to have uh, a sustainable business uh, down the road. Man, I love that. Um, and I think that's that's the key to having a successful business. I know you've already had a lot of success, but with, with a culture like that and a mindset like that behind your company, um, I really do think that's, that's where... Um, success lies. And when you focus on the customer, I mean, I'm building a business, I have a, I have a business that's thriving because of another business, which is Amazon and e commerce and things like that. And so, you know, the model of Amazon has always been customer first over the seller first, right? It's been customer, you get it in two days, you get prime, if there's any hassles, you cancel it, like, they changed e commerce, you know, uh, they changed the world of e commerce in regards to getting stuff in two days, which affected your world as well. What two days that used to be insane to think about a few years ago, right? It used to be insane to think about ordering something. And now it's even same day, right? In the big cities and stuff like that. So that used to be absolutely insane. Um, but they just focused on the customer. How can we get the customer experience that much better? Who's our customer? How can we do better? And the same thing on the agency side, I think here at Marknology is um, the sales will come if if the brand that we're working with, one, that's our customer, the brand we're working with, or, but but also the products we're selling for them what is that doing for the customers we're selling it to? You know, and time and time again, if if the brands are not focused on the customer and they're just looking at bottom line and they're looking at, you know, top line sales and they're looking at those kinds of things, uh, we don't we don't really have success. I mean, there, there's limited success there, but I'm talking about long-term success and building a company and building a brand that people know and realize and come back to. That's not just selling a gimmick on Amazon. That's creating a great product um, you know, for the customers that that's going into. So I love, I love your mindset on that. Um, you know, we're, we're coming up on, we're coming up on the hour, you know, guys, to all our listeners, uh, today is startup hustles, actually fourth birthday. So if you're listening, um, it's a big day for us. You know, we, we've added hosts to the show. We brought on amazing guests. What an awesome guest to have Guillermo on the show on our, on our birthday. Um, you know, in passing, what's, what's one thing you would leave with any of our listeners that are founders kind of trying to build their own company and really trying to set their vision for their employees? I'd love you to answer that. And then secondly, just where can people get in contact with you? Where can they learn more about Smart Hop? Where can they follow along as you continue to grow? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I mean, congrats on four years. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, your uh, your shows uh, are are incredible, and 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 that that takes me to uh, to really. And this is my 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 own experience, and I'll I'll sell it based on my own experience. Is really follow what you think is right, uh, not for you, but for your customer. I had uh, the expertise. Uh, or my own experience in the trucking world, which mm. that should not be generalized. Yes, that ge- that gave me a lot of understanding, and it continues to give me a lot of understanding about my industry. But the more that I talk with customers, the more that I learn about them, the the more that I understand that everybody has uh, a different way of thinking, and uh, I think we. Uh, we as founders uh, that are or should be obsessed about where 
uh, our customers, uh, what we, can we do with our customers? We need to stay very close. I think again, the money the, the money will follow if uh, if we're doing the right things and if we are proving that customers are really engaged and are really buying into the vision, but also are really receiving uh, what you not are what you're trying to sell them, but also what they want to buy more than what you want to sell them, right? And so um, I will encourage everyone to uh, big uh, or small to continue to be very close uh, to the customers. I love that. And it's good advice. It's something even Marknology could do better at times. You know, I think that in some ways when you're when you're working with like at least in an agency mindset, you know, you're like, I don't ask them if they have any problems, like I can't handle any more problems, right? Or you're like, you don't ask them if there's something more that you could do for them. Um, but that's the complete opposite way to think. And I think like when I've read leadership books, when I've read great founder books, you know, they all talk about having a culture of how can we be better? What can we do better? Where can we improve? Um, even when things are going great. So um, definitely great advice. And, and lastly, like where can people get in contact with you and, and continue to follow along? Yeah, we'd love to uh, hear uh, from uh, from uh, whoever wants to get in touch. I mean, the easiest way is to go into our website, www.smarthub.com. Um, and that's the easiest way to get in contact with us. Awesome. Guillermo, it has been a pleasure chatting it up with you. Um, if I'm in Miami doing anything around Amazon and e-commerce, I'm definitely going to send you an invite, see if we can get a coffee or, or something and introduce you to, um, you know, there's all types of uh, shipping providers and stuff there. So we'll just make some intros and, and make an afternoon of it. But um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and an honor to have you on our, on our fourth birthday. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward uh, for that visit. Yes, sir. Uh, you guys have a good day. Startup Hustlers, thanks as always. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.